0: All right. Glad to be in church. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Need a paperweight for my Bible here. Last service, my pages went flying all over the floor, so it's time for a new Bible. Well, you know, uh, I had the privilege of meeting Alex from Ukraine uh, between services, and, and uh, I practiced my uh, five words in, in Russian. That's all I remember, unfortunately. Strasvica, right? Kakila, how are you? Dobre dien. Everybody say, dobre dien. dobre dien. Yeah, that's good. good day, right? All right, anyway, that's as far as it goes. That's the fruit of five years in, in Ukraine. I speak a lot better Italian. Not much better, but you know, three times more. I spent 15 years in Italy, so I know 15 words in (laughs) Italian. Languages aren't my, aren't my strong suit. Uh, So anyway, um, you know, I was just, I was just thinking after I talked to Alex, you know, uh, uh, we, my wife and I, we've, uh, in November, we'll have been married for 20 years, and so we spent uh, uh, 18 and a half years of our life living in, in Europe, and I remember, you know, we, we had gotten married in, in November, and, uh, January, beginning of January, about a month later, uh, we boarded an airplane and headed towards Kiev, Ukraine. I had been there for a a couple of years by myself as a single man, and uh, then uh, uh, Amy came with me, and I guess maybe I probably didn't uh, inform her of what she was really getting herself into really well. This was back in, in 1993, and so we went and we we didn't have a place to live and so we moved in with uh, one of our pastors associate pastor into a small two-bedroom home and and uh, he had the bedroom we had the living room which was also the church office we had a little mattress that we'd roll roll out on the floor at night Uh, if if you're getting married uh, and uh... or you're not been married very long i wouldn't suggest that you take your wife to ukraine and sleep in a church office on a mattress about that thick but anyway you know we we couldn't find a place to live and so we lived in this place for about six weeks so all during the day people are uh, running around doing office work and stuff and then we'd roll out our mattress at night and remember one night we'd been there for about six weeks uh uh, it's really cold outside and and uh, my wife looks over at me and she said uh and I could tell there was something stirring her in her and and she looked at me and she said, Jeff, if you don't have an apartment for me tomorrow, I'm leaving. And I knew, you know, you know, husbands, you know when your wife is serious, right? Yeah, they can take a lot, but I tell you what, this this day was, she was finished. And so I got on my big fur boots and my big, my big, is it called a shopka? Ah, see, I remember another word, you know, big fox, shopka, big fur hat, you know, and I walked outside, and man, I'd ne- I don't know if I've ever prayed like that since that night. Because I knew she was serious. I knew I was going to have to drive her all the way to Kiev, a six-hour drive, in a, in a van to get her to the airport. Uh, but anyway, I, I went out, and I just pleaded with God, get us apartment, please, please, please. Well, he came through, praise the Lord. And we got ourselves a nice little apartment, and uh, uh, we started our journey, and uh, haven't looked back since uh, it's been awesome. We love Ukraine. I'm going back in September. I can't wait. And uh, as Pastor Mark said, I take about uh, four trips to, to Italy and Spain every year. We've got churches there that we visit and oversee. Uh, we have a project called the Door of Hope in, in Kenya. Uh, we we kind of took that, took that ministry from Hosea chapter 2, verse 15, where it says that uh, there is a door of hope in the Valley of Trouble. And so our desire and our goal is to bring hope to people. You know, what makes America great is we, we have hope. We have a dream. And uh, and a lot of people in the world are pretty hopeless. And so our goal is to, to bring hope. And we're real excited about a new project we're developing. We're going to, uh, over the next five years, we're going to build four wells that have the capability of, uh, of bringing water to about 1,000 families. They're going to be able to irrigate their land. They're going to be able to have clean, fresh water water you know uh, in Kenya uh, AIDS isn't a big problem but malaria is and uh, uh, we've had a a Christian school there with about 250 students for the last eight years and I you know on average we probably bury anywhere from three to five kids every year uh, because of malaria it's just basically they don't have clean fresh water and uh, so uh, we're excited about this new project we believe we're going to be able to start churches and orphanages across that nation And uh, we're excited about it. And so we're excited that uh, we get to be a part of this ministry and uh, what God's doing here. And uh, we're just going to keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, Well, actually, before you go to Hebrews, let's jump over to Jude. You can always put your finger there in Hebrews as well. Hebrews chapter 4, but... Here in Jude, it says, uh, Jude chapter 1, verse uh, 3. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was delivered unto the saints. So what I want to talk about today is I want to talk about contending for the faith. You know, the Bible teaches us that the just shall live by faith. You know, faith is the, the, the lifestyle in which God has ordained for us as Christians to live by. And on several different occasions, uh, we see the Apostle Paul quoting the Old Testament, and he says, the just shall live by faith. And so, you know, really what we need to do then is to define what is faith. You know, some would say that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Some would say that faith is trusting and believing. And those are all elements of faith. But the way I like to define faith is simply to be persuaded. That what God says, we need to be persuaded that that is truth, that that is, that is fact. You know, I, I, I heard a statement years ago, and this person said this. He said that truth is always greater than fact. You know, the Bible teaches us that the truth sets us free, right? It also says that the Word is truth. And so, what does it mean that truth is greater than fact? You know, in our life we have all kinds of circumstances that rise up. It could be uh, uh, symptoms in our bodies. And you, you have to understand something about, about that, and that is that symptoms are not actually sickness and disease. I like to say it this way, symptoms is the lie. And you can choose to believe the lie or you can choose to believe the truth, right? I mean, you can wake up with pain in your body and you can choose to yield to that pain or you can choose to yield to truth because truth is always greater than fact. You can go to the doctor and the doctor can give you a bad report. He can tell you you've got a growth in your body, a particular sickness, a, 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 a bad disease, But understand that truth is always greater than fact. Isaiah 53 says, whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the the, the report that man has? Or are you going to believe the report of God? Right? We need to be persuaded in the day in which we live that God's word is truth. There is no greater truth than God's word. Right? The Bible says that the word of God is alive and full of power. That it's an incorruptible, indestructible seed that lives and abides forever. It says in Acts that the word of God grew mightily and it prevailed. How many of you know that the word of God has the ability to prevail in any area of your life? It can be a broken relationship. It can be be debt. It can be depression. it It can be discouragement. It can be any number of things. But truth is always greater than circumstance. Amen? And we need to get to the place where we're persuaded in that. Paul said that we are to contend for the faith. He also wrote to Timothy and he said that we have to fight the good fight of faith. How many of you know faith is a good fight? Right? How many of you feel good when you win a battle? Right? It's awesome when you overcome when you're in the midst of a battle, and sometimes it seems like an impossible situation, but when you come out victoriously on the other side, don't you feel good? Don't you feel like you want to take on the next giant? I kind of know how David felt, you know. He, he, uh, he went to Saul and he said, I'll, I'll go ahead and I, I'll take care of this uncircumcised Philistine. And, and uh, Saul, king, the king said, you know, I don't think you're able to do this. And David said, I fought the lion and i fought the bear and i'm going to do the very same thing to this uncircumcised philistine amen so you can take you can take you can you can take courage in the battles that you've won we can become more and more persuaded the more we spend time here in the word of god go go over to hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 hebrews 10:22 it says let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith. Can you say that about yourself today? That you, you have a full assurance. You know, I imagine uh, uh, some of you that you, you've been saved for a while, and you don't ever question whether you're born again. Maybe when you first got born again, maybe when you first surrendered your life to Jesus, the enemy would come, and he would bring condemnation, he would bring guilt, and you would question whether or not you were born again. Is that true for any of you? And you struggled, you went in and out, you just, it, was, it was difficult. And the more, the more you heard the Word of God, the more you embraced truth, the more you drew near to God, the more confidence and courage you had in that. And see, we need to allow that to carry over into every area of our Christian life. When it comes to healing, you have to be completely persuaded that God is your healer. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. And when symptoms come into your body, you're persuaded that, no, 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 that's a lie. I'm not believing the lie. I'm embracing truth. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I remember one time in the Ukraine, I was, uh, every, every day I'd walk to Bible school because we didn't have a, a car in the early days, and so I'd walk to, to Bible school, and on my way home, I would, I would stop at the market, and uh, there, there was some barbecue at the market, and they would soak this meat in like onions and vodka and this special sauce, and oh, it tastes so good. And so I'd stop there every day, and a lot of my Ukrainian friends, they would say, you know. Pastor Jeff, you probably really shouldn't eat that meat because you never really know what it is. And I said, well, what, what do you mean by that? He says, well, you know, they might have found a, found some roadkill on the side of the road and they just cut off the fur and stick it on a stick and put it in the fire. You know, you never know what it is. And, you know, in my thinking, I'm thinking, you know, if it tastes this good, I don't care what it is. <laughs> I mean, it can be rat if all I care, but you soak it in vodka, man, it's going to kill anything, right? <laughs> So, you know, my perspective is I, I really don't care what it is. It just tastes good. So I'd get myself a big fresh loaf of bread and I'd walk home with that with my, with my uh, what do you call it? I can't think of the word in English. A shish kebab, yeah. And so I'd eat it and, well, I get home that night and I have to go preach at Bible school again because we had a morning and a night Bible school and so I get home and, and uh, do some things during the afternoon. And I start walking back to Bible school that night. And my stomach starts rumbling a little bit. And and uh, you don't want your stomach rumbling a little bit anywhere in, in the Ukraine. There's not always real nice bathrooms. So my stomach starts rumbling, you know. And I'm not thinking much of it. I'm not associating it with the, with the meat at this point. And so I teach Bible school. And... And my, my stomach's now it's making some really weird noises. And you know, I think the students are misinterpreting it as the thunder of God or something, you know. And <laughs> so I you know, I, I'm I'm starting to get a little bit concerned and so I'm I'm walking home and by the time I'm I'm I get through the the front door, I'm sweating. I got a fever. My stomach hurts. I can't hardly walk. And so I, I go immediately to bed. And I'm thinking about how busy of a day I have the next day. I got to teach in Bible school. I've got, a, I've got a bunch of meetings in the afternoon with the ministry of religion. And I got to go to those meetings so that I can renew my visa to stay there. And then I got church the next night. And so I'm thinking of all the things that I have to do. And and so I go to bed, I fall asleep and about the middle of the night I spend the rest of the day, the night in the bathroom and uh, at that moment I remember I had to make a decision. Was I going to believe and be persuaded by the symptoms or was I going to embrace the truth of God's word? Right? I, I love something that, that, that Pastor Mark said at the end of the last service, he said, you know, there are certain things that we're persuaded in, and there are certain things that we're not yet persuaded in. You know, as I, as I read the Word of God and as I grow in the things of God, I recognize that there are situations and different things that I'm not yet persuaded in, and that's challenging to me. Because I, when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to truth, I want to be persuaded when you talk about the, the completeness of God's Word and God's truth. Right? Right? But I know at this at this moment, it, it became it became a a um, opportunity for me. Now let me just back up for a moment. I remember when I was at, at the at the Oral Roberts University, and and I had gone away for the weekend. I was I was on the swim team, and so we had swum swum or swam or what do you do? You swum? I know that's not right. That sounds. I swam. All right, so you know that English is neither not even my strong suit. So, so now you understand why I didn't do very good learning Ukrainian or Italian, because I'm still working on English. Yeah, that's what people, they say, so, you know, they'd say, why, why have you been here 15 years and you haven't learned Italian? And I said, because I'm still learning English. So, so anyway, um, I, I had swam all weekend, and I got, got home, and uh, I got all of a sudden I started getting sick, and you know I grew up in a pastor's home, and and uh, my mom and dad they were faith people. They believed in God's divine healing, and so anytime we would have symptoms in our body, uh, my mom and dad man they were on it man they 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 took a hold of the promises of God's word. They they cursed, they cast out, they did whatever they did, and and you know we just weren't sick growing up because they they were persuaded that God's truth in that area was a reality. And so, you know, growing up, I never really had to live by faith in that area because my mom and dad just did it for me. They were my example. I was under their roof. And so I remember I, I called my mom that night. It was about midnight. And I called her, and I'm, 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 I'm feeling all these symptoms that I'd really never felt in my life before. And so I called her. I said, Mom, I'm sick. Will you pray? I feel like I'm going to die. My stomach's all cramped up. And, and, and she said, Jeff, do what I taught you to do. And she hung up the phone on me. And I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. What just happened here? So I called her back real quick. I said, Mom. She said, believe God. I called her back again. I says, Mom, you don't understand. I'm dying here. I'm not. But, you know, I got to figure out a way to manipulate her into believing God with me here and she said no 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 you need to learn to believe God and so that's what I did I just began to cry out to God like they had done and showed me all of my life and you know what in one moment those symptoms left my body that was a time in my life I thank my mom now for doing that she challenged me to have faith in God and not faith in my mom right and so now you ju- jump ahead several years later. I'm in the Ukraine, and this time it's much more serious, and I, I, it's probably a, an opportunity where the devil could take my life. And so I'm, do- I'm standing on the Word of God. I'm, I'm throwing up in the toilet and speaking the Word of God out of the other side of my mouth. You know, puke's going this way, and the Word of God's going this way. And so I, I'm just standing, believing God, and, and I wake up in the morning, I get in the shower, I'm confessing the Word of God, I don't feel any better, but I'm walking to Bible school, my legs are dragging, I'm sweating like crazy, I got a fever, I've been preaching the Word of God, and I just so happen to be preaching on healing during this time. So, you know, you, got, you can't yield to this thing. And so, you know, I didn't feel any better in the morning. I went to all my meetings in the afternoon and went home, laid down for about an hour, got back up, walked back to Bible school and preached another, another three hours. But you know what? By the time I got to that third hour, every symptom was gone in my body. And I look back on that time and the time where my mother had me do that and I realized at that moment I, pe- I became persuaded ...of the truth concerning healing. Right? I love something that Brother Hagin always used to say. You know, he said, you know, I haven't been sick in 60 years. I haven't had a headache for so many years. And, you know, he says, well, people always used to say... ...you better be quiet. You don't want the devil to hear you say that. But isn't that exactly who we want to hear us say it? Right? I want the devil to know... That there is no sickness and no disease that He can put on my body or my family's body. Because me and my house, we serve the Lord. And our bodies are strong and they're healthy. We're persuaded. Amen. we got to get ourselves into a persuasion that God's Word is truth. Right? Now for you it may not be healing. Maybe it's it's, uh, in your finances. In, in the realm of prosperity. You know, how many of you know it's God's will for you to be out of debt? About a third of you. How, so the rest of you like debt? I mean, how much more could you do if you didn't have any debt? You could, like, go on vacation every once in a while. Right? When when, when, when pastor shows the, uh, the, the building, you could pay off, like, four or five of those cubes. Right? Don't you believe that God wants you out of debt? He wants you out of debt just as much as He wants you healed. Because listen, listen, God has placed your healing and your financial prosperity on the same redemptive level as the remission of sin. Because God looks at all as a curse sin is a curse, sickness is a curse. Poverty is a curse. Debt is a curse. It's not His will and His plan for any of us to be under the influence of any of those things. Right? And so God, He doesn't, he doesn't put it into categories. When Jesus came... He not only remitted your sin and forgave you, but Jesus took stripes on His back so that you could be healed of every symptom, every sickness, every disease, known and unknown to man. And the Bible says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, for though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be made poor. Glory to God. That's the plan of God. That's the truth of God's Word. And we need to be persuaded. We need to be convinced that God's Word is bigger and stronger and greater than any circumstance that would ever come against us. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2. For unto us... Was the gospel preached? Has the gospel been preached to you? What is the gospel? Good news? Let me ask you a question. What's good news to a sinner? What's good news to someone who's lost? What's good news to someone who's hopeless? Right? What's good news to someone who's sick? What's good news to someone who's poor and in debt? Right? Good news. The good news of God's Word is that you can be saved. You can be made whole. You can walk in divine health. You can walk in God's provision. You can walk in wisdom, strength, and favor. Right? So it says that the gospel was preached to them. Uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith doesn't come from having heard. Faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Just because you were in faith a year ago doesn't mean you're in faith today. And see, this is what we do sometimes. We rely upon yesterday's revelation, yesterday's manna. Right? We lean on yesterday's victory. And yesterday's victory, like David, it can propel us and move us forward, but we can't depend upon yesterday. Paul said, leaving those things that are behind and pressing forward. My question to you today is, are you pressing forward? Are you being continuously persuaded that what God says is a reality in your life? James says, looking into the perfect law of liberty and continuing therein. He said, a man who walks away from the mirror and neglects looking into the mirror will forget what manner of man he is. Right? Ladies, you can leave your house and you can put lipstick on your your lips, but if you don't look back in the mirror before you walk into church, you don't recognize that you got lipstick on your teeth. Now, no one wants to smile. But you have to continuously look. be looking into the mirror of God's Word. That's what keeps us persuaded. That's what keeps us confident. That's what keeps us courageous. So the gospel was preached to them. Now, look over here at chapter 2 of Hebrews. It says, therefore, verse 1, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. Everybody say, earnest heed. To the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So what does that mean? See, you can be excited about what God said last month. And you can talk about it. And you can meditate on it. And you can think about it. You can speak it. You can declare it. And as long as you're doing that, you're persuaded. You're convinced. You're courageous in regard to that area. But you know what? The moment that you lay that aside, you're going to start slipping. Right? See, if you're encountering a difficulty in your life, if you're encountering a crisis in your life, the best thing you can do is go to the word of God and find out what the word says but you know a lot of times we turn to something secular first and when that doesn't work then we turn to the word of God I'm not saying you can't turn to something that's secular but why not turn here why not turn to the word of God Because I tell you what, it is the Word of God, it's the truth of God's Word that's going to bring a strong persuasion on the inside of you, a persuasion of victory, a persuasion of abundance, a persuasion of health, a persuasion of strength, a persuasion of wisdom. We're living in a day where our world is getting darker and darker and the world is doing its very best to persuade us Of their dark agenda. And if you're not careful. I know a lot of people. They embrace the ungodliness of this world. Because that voice is louder to them. Than the word of God. Are you fully persuaded today? Does God's word have an active living. Part of each and every day of your life. So what does it say here? It says to give a more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. See, really it takes more effort to develop the seed that has been sown in your heart than to hear it initially. Isn't that what the parable of the sower is all about? It's about taking that seed that's been planted in your heart and nurturing it considering it valuable. How many of you know the disciples weren't perfect? Right? How many, how many times did Jesus look at his disciples and say, "Oh, ye of little faith? Other translation says, you have faith and you put no effort into using your faith. Right? But I believe what, what, God, what Jesus loved so much about the disciples was the value of they placed on the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. You can make a lot of mistakes. You can fall down. You can can have failures in your life. But if you're the kind of person that places a value on the spoken Word of God, God loves that kind of person. Was David perfect? Far from it. But why did God say, David is a man after my own heart? Have you ever read Psalms? You see over and over again, I love your word. I love your statutes. I love your commands. I meditate in them day and night. Your word is a light to my feet, a lamp unto my path. The word, when it comes, brings light and gives understanding. David loved the word of God. And even though he failed, even though he made mistakes, God said, I love that man. The disciples, man, they blew it a lot of times. They'd bring a demon-possessed kid to them and they couldn't do it. And Jesus looked at him and says, Hey, man, where's your faith? You've seen this a hundred times. But see, they always placed a tremendous value on the Word of God. So it's important that we value this Word that we've been given. That we embrace it. That we acknowledge it as truth. Lest we slip. One man said this if you're not moving forward, you're backsliding. If you're standing still, you're not moving forward. How many of you want to move forward? I think that's why you're here. I think that's why you're part of Life Church. is you're not satisfied with where you are. You want to move forward. You want to move forward in your relationship with God. You want to move forward when it comes to the things of God. You want to experience greater things in God. Because everything that God does, He does in a progression. He says from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from grace to grace, from strength to strength. Isn't that the will of God for every single one of us? Is that we would continuously be pushing forward. Amen. So then let's go back to Hebrews chapter 4. It says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, In them that heard it. You know, we we had a a little a little Bible study outside of the city of Rome for many years, and so this particular house that we would go to this this uh, the woman of the house she knew that her husband and I loved these particular kinds of cookies, and so uh, we came to her house this evening and and uh, in in an Italian Bible study you always have to eat. And so you come to the house and you have your pasta and you have your second and then you have your dessert. And then then you can teach the word of God. But you got to have your food, you know, Italian style. And so uh, she was so excited that she had made these cookies for us. And so she's like, you know, after we eat, I made these special cookies for you. And oh, you're going to enjoy them so much. And so we ate our ate our dinner and then we, she put the cookies out with it with a nice cappuccino. and we were pretty excited because we really do like these cookies. And so I take, took a bite of it, and it was horrible. And I didn't want her to know because she was so excited, so I'm like... and it was just like so dry and so stale. and I mean, I, I had to like drink the coffee to just wash it down. And I'm looking at her husband and her husband's doing the same thing. He's got this weird look on his face. And so Lizzie's her name, and she says, uh, She says, You you don't like my cookies? And her husband says, Lizzie, I think you forgot to put the sugar in the cookies. Yeah, she forgot to put the sugar in there. It, It was just like eating a piece of cardboard. But you know, you can't make cookies without sugar. That's like making chocolate chip cookies and forgetting to put the chocolate chips in there. Right? That's like making spaghetti and meatballs and forgetting to put the meatballs in there. Right? Well, what does he say here? He said, they heard the word preached, but it did not profit them not being mixed with faith. So really, what's the point of coming to church, hearing the word of God, if you're not going to mix faith with what you hear? How do you mix faith with what you hear? You acknowledge that what you heard is truth. Philemon verse 6 says that the communication of your faith causes causes an energy, a power to bring that word into a reality in your life. Right? So it didn't profit them because it was not mixed with faith to them that heard it. I want to challenge you today to be like Abraham. You know, God made a promise to Abraham. And he said, uh, he said you know, you're going you're gonna to have a son. You're going to uh, start a nation. And Abraham's argument was, listen, I'm impotent. My wife's womb is dead. I'm old. I'm past age. And God said, then th- 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 does it matter? Because my truth is greater. And the Bible says that Abraham, this is Romans chapter 4 verse 20. He said, Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. See, even, in the, even when the circumstances seem to be pushing you and defeating you, you have to continuously give glory to God. Continuously magnify God. What does it mean to magnify God? Make God bigger. Make God bigger than your circumstances. Instead of talking about your problem, talking about your circumstances, making them real big and God real little, make God real big and the problem would become real little. Woo! I mean, can you do that? I'll tell you what, you can't do it if you're not consistently in this book. Because this book talks about the bigness and the greatness and the powerfulness of God. And the more time you read and meditate the truths of the Word of God, you will become more and more persuaded. The Bible says that Sarah received strength to conceive seed when she was past age because she judged God faithful. Well, how do you judge God faithful? Do you sit by a river and think about how your womb is dead? You go around talking to everybody saying, well, I wish I had a baby, but you know, I'm old. My body's dead. It's never going to happen. Is that how it happens? No, she judged God faithful. She said, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I believe, I trust, I have confidence that what you spoke to my husband and what you've spoken to me will be a reality in our life. I judge you faithful." There's been times in my life where I didn't know how I was going to pay a bill or how I was going to pay, pay the mortgage payment on our church building in Italy or how we were going to do this or how we were going to do that. And instead of laying in bed all stressed out trying to figure out how I can make it happen, I'd get out of bed and I'd just start saying, God, You're faithful. He who has called me is faithful to do it. Father, I judge You faithful. Your Word is faithful. Your Son is faithful. The Holy Spirit is faithful. Your Word is true and I have a trust." and the confidence in that word, that that which you have promised will surely come to pass in my life. So he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and was fully persuaded that what God promised, he was able to do it. God is able. Do you believe that today? God is able. Amen. Let's rise up on our feet and let's let's prepare our hearts to worship God today. And as we do so, this is what I want you to do. I want you to forget about your problem. I want you to forget about the debt I want you to forget about the electric bill that's due tomorrow. I want you to forget about about the job applications that you sent out to 30 people and you're not hearing back. I want you to forget about the pain in your body. I want you to forget about the lawyer's report or the doctor's report or the psychiatrist's report. I want you to take this time and I want you to magnify God. I want you to make God big. Can you make God big today? And as you make God big you are permitting and allowing God in all His power and all His ability to flood your situation with grace and strength and wisdom and favor. Believe it? Let's do that. Let's magnify the Lord. Father, we magnify You here today. We worship You. You're the King of glory. You are the Lord strong and mighty. You are the great God, Jehovah, the all-breasted one, the all-sufficient one, the God who is more than enough. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are omnipresent. You're here with us today to touch every heart, to touch every life, to change circumstances. And so our eyes are fixed on You. Our hearts are filled with love and thanksgiving for You. We worship you in Jesus' name.